Welcome into Tailgate. Austin Gill here with Mike Renner in sunny Cincinnati. Tuesday, December 7th at 1.30. This will be released Wednesday morning. Today, going to go over our, our picks for the biggest college football awards, Heisman, Coach of the Year, Doak Walker, all that stuff, but then also who we think will win, yeah. right? Because a lot of these guys aren't even finalists in some shit that we're doing. Um, but before we get into that stuff, which I can't wait to do, I have to, I have to admit something. I know I've fallen off the wagon on the gym. <sighs> Yeah, I'm 30 bucks richer. We're a week into this. I know. The, the sickness has not helped, Mike. Yeah. I've been sick. I've been battling. That's I'm still true. losing weight. I'm down like 10. <laughs> down like 10 pounds. A lot of that's just mucus probably because I'm blowing my nose like a monster. But we will get back on this wagon. We will not quit. I, my goals are too high to quit right now. Yeah, one of the actually, when I got the flu right after college, that was one of the biggest. I dropped like 15 pounds. So I like really kickstarted a nice weight loss for me. Quinn was suggesting I get a tapeworm. Yeah, those work too. I mean, anything that'll just allow you not to eat and puke and shit out everything that you do eat, that does help. I think that's a but, dub. Uh, also, living a healthy lifestyle, go to the gym every day also helps. I'm going to get to the gym. So, I'm going to get to the gym. I've been eating really well. That's I'm, been I'm the not, biggest I'm not, reason I'm, I'm not unhappy weight. over here, though. I'm, I'm the one making money. $30 richer, you piece of shit. Can we talk a little bit about Monday Night Football? Why is everyone so upset? Yeah. There's so many people on Twitter that are upset about Monday Night Football and like, having takeaways from this game and whether or not football should even be played it was a volatile. It was a very hostile environment too. What, yeah. what was your reaction to that shit? It was enjoyable. Like I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. It was still like BS. Like if, if you, if that is how like a playoff game is decided, like you're upset as a fan, you know, like you watch the game like that. It's a regular season game, but it's a big matchup to be decided by not Football, as yeah. we say in the in modern. Football. I won't say it's, it's not still, football. It's, game. it's, it's not still, football. Yeah, it's just like objectively a different experience, and also one that is a lot of so unique added. to yeah. can't modify unique. Can't it modify is unique it. to what everyone actually plays. Like that. Yeah. That's the problem. It's like a different game. Maybe it is not yes. football. I don't know. But. I mean, just the it adds a layer of randomness that doesn't happen in normal. Like the the punt hitting off a face mask, the fumble handoff like a lot of things that probably just like don't happen normally happen in that game because of the win because it's so absurd the missed field goal all that sort of stuff but i mean once the conditions came out like it favored new england that offense 100 i don't know how buffalo stayed was. favored Fa yeah. buffalo was still favored and that over stuck at 40 and a half yeah. i made a ton of money on betting the under and yeah. Mac Jones' passing yards total was 200 and a half yards. That was free money last night. Like, <laughs> it really was. They were giving away money last night if you were in a legal betting state, unlike Ohio. Yeah. But um, takeaways from that game, I was surprised that Buffalo stayed favored. I was surprised the you know the total stayed so high and Mac Jones' passing total stayed so high because you knew New England was going to run the football. That's what we've been doing yeah. all year. And like they did it obviously to a higher degree. They only like threw two or three times in that game. But and I was not surprised by that outcome at all. Am I upset that you know Buffalo gets kind of screwed in this situation? But like it's their home stadium. I don't think it's like anyone's yeah. fault. I guess it's a I agree. The randomness, it's a degree of randomness that you don't want to be added to, like obviously two powerhouse teams in the AFC. Yeah, I agree. Shall we get into the college conversation? Yes, let us go into these do, awards. Do you want but do you know we work with so many of these awards? Before you start I know you shit on the Heisman in the past. You've shit on the Heisman in the Oh past. yeah, I did in some you need Heisman to calm guy. down. You need to calm down. Because there's because there's like five thousand Heisman voters. There's a ton. And I said something about like I feel honored to be one of Oh no, it's Blitnikov. Oh no, I feel I said I like I feel honored to be one of like 
uh, one of the voters like every single other person in America or something. I made like, a joke, and then that, the guy reached out and said, "We keep, we we take it very seriously." I was like, I, and we you do know, take it seriously. Like, I'm also a blimp. I do like voter. I take it seriously when I vote, like I do. But truth be told, it's not like there's a lot of people. You need help. You, you need help. help. We work with these award people. You yeah. need help. The Heisman slash Maxwell, they go to the they go to the highest or most outstanding most player, outstanding. most outstanding player in college football, which. I had this take. That's how the NFL should switch to. Like, MVP I agree. is stupid. MVP is just, who's the best quarterback? It's one player. And now, obviously, Heisman still goes to quarterback a vast majority of the time because that's the focal point. Like, that's still the face of an offense when an offense is very good. Still, you know, runs through them. But when you have, like this year, some guys on defense who are having outstanding elite seasons that are in the upper echelon of what we've seen in the PFF grading, or offensive linemen who are that good, they should be included too. So I like outstanding player. Um, and honestly, I think the most outstanding player in the college football season has been Aiden Hutchinson. In my, for my money, he has been the best player, impactful, gets Michigan to the playoffs. Without him, I, I think Ohio State rolls on them in that game a lot more than they did. He, The pressure he put on C.J. Stroud was the reason that Ohio State's offense looked flustered the vast majority of that game. I think it should be pivoted for most valuable because when you factor in value, especially in the NFL, it's like, okay, quarterback has to win the award because they're the most valuable yeah. position. In college football, it's become the best quarterback on the best football team or whatever award yeah. because because I think the same conversation, right? It's like they are the most valuable player. You want to talk about without Aiden Hutchinson, Michigan doesn't go playoff. Without fucking Bryce Young, Alabama's not, you know, not even close to where they are right now. Bryce Young has been highest graded quarterback according to PFF. Dominated against a Georgia defense that everyone was talking mm -hmm. about, comparing to the '85 Bears. Like this was, I think it should go to Bryce Young. I think Bryce Young is going to win it. He's the favorite. I think he's going to win it, and it should go to him because whether you like it or not, the best players in college football, the best players in football in general, yeah. are going to be quarterbacks because they are the most valuable players. Like I, I get we have other awards for Aiden Hutchinson, things like Defensive Player of the Year, Defensive Lineman of the Year, Linebacker of the Year if it's a linebacker. For the most outstanding player, you need to play the most outstanding fucking position, and I think that's why you know that's why you're going to continue to see quarterbacks win. Like yeah. that's it. Well, fair now, enough. if Bryce Young loses to Georgia, I think there is. I, I said this. I think there is more of a conversation Aiden Hutchinson because then he wouldn't have been a guy that got them to the number one seed yeah. or whatever. And like Georgia doesn't have a quarterback that's in the conversation, which is fine. C.J. Stroud loses to Michigan. Kenny Pickett is not in the college football playoff conversation. If Young loses and is out of the playoff, I think it does go to Aiden Hutchinson. However, he did win. On the biggest stage mm -hmm. in the SEC championship, that was his Heisman moment. I think Bryce Young wins it, and he deservingly so. I think Bryce Young will win it. Uh, Heisman finalists are Young, Pickett, Hutchinson, and Stroud, which I don't know how the hell Stroud got in there. And then the Maxwell finalists are Pickett, Young, and actually Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker sneaking in for Maxwell. That's awesome. Yeah, good for Kenneth Walker. I don't think he'll win it. Yeah, he won't. It, it will be a quarterback, but it's cool that he got the uh, the invitation for the Maxwell. Maxwell, we work more closely with. Than the Heisman, the guys who run that award are pretty sweet. Home Depot Coach of the Year. This has already been named. They've already named the Coach of the Year. Love it. Well, this one's an obvious one. I don't know Luke, if it's obvious. You don't know if it's obvious? Luke Fickle, Cincinnati, you don't think he deserves it? I Back think, to -back Jim, I think Jim Harbaugh could win. Okay. I think Luke Fickle should win. And now, everyone, Coach of the Year is almost always about preseason expectations. Yeah. Is why I, I dislike the award oftentimes. How, how Same it with gets NFL Coach out. of the Year. How, exactly. Like how it gets voted out. It's about expectations. Oh, they exceeded expectations, so they must be good. Luke Fickle built a group of five team into the only group of five team ever to make college football playoff. That, yes, they were a fantastic team last year, but building that, 
recruiting those guys, developing those guys to be as good as they have been this season to make college football playoff in and of itself is something that is far more impressive than Jim Harbaugh finally not underperforming. You know, yeah. <laughs> like Jim Harbaugh, everyone thought Michigan was going to be bad this year because they've underperformed every single year, not because Jim Harbaugh all of a sudden did this no, that's unbelievable coaching job. So, Yeah, because people will bring up with Jim Harbaugh, well, the preseason expectation, they weren't even AP top 25 team because of Jim Who Harbaugh, because yeah. of how much they've underperformed, whereas Luke Fickle has legitimately, like, inch by inch, row by row, built a juggernaut in the group of five that I don't think anyone ever expected. No one ever yeah. expected a group of five team to make the college football playoff. To do what he did under all this pressure, under all these expectations, recruit the talent he did, develop the talent he did, encourage him to come back, all that shit. Yeah. Stick with them, too. Like, Luke Fickle could have jumped at another job last year. He could have jumped fucking as quickly as Brian Kelly did if he wanted to. The fact that he's done that. I do think that Coach of the Year is about preseason expectations, but I also think it can be an award that does, especially at the Group of Five level, factors in this, like, multi-year level of commitment and improvement, like, to show that they got to this outcome. I do think that it's an award that you can inch up to, for sure. But I think Luke Fickle, deservingly so. Harbaugh should definitely be in the conversation, but a lot of that doubt was doubting him, and he finally bounced back, obviously, this year. Doak Walker, next award on here. Doak Walker is the running back for the biggest, the best running, or the award for the best running back in the country. I think there is some conversation for one of the Michigan guys winning it. You know, if you look at PFF grades, Blake Corum and Son Haskins are the two highest graded running backs in the country. Trayvon Henderson for Ohio State has graded really well this year. But in terms of, you know, you talk about most outstanding player, most valuable player. If you think about most valuable running back in college football this year, Kenneth Walker transferring from Wake Forest to Michigan State was massive and a big reason why they won that Michigan game, a big reason why they were relevant all this season. Now, he didn't show up a ton in that Ohio State blowout, but Mm -hmm. if you want to talk about value at that position, a guy that legitimately like led a fucking program, Kenneth Walker, in my opinion, I think wins that one handily. There's no argument for the Michigan guys. They had 141 carries and what's the other one? 261. Kenneth Walker, 262. Mm -hmm. Leads almost 400 more rushing yards than Hassan Haskins did who led Michigan rushing. This one's not even close to me. 18 scores, uh, led the nation broken tackles. Yeah, it's him or it's Deuce Vaughn, in my opinion, who is my preseason pick, unfortunately. But Deuce Vaughn was actually the highest-grade running back in the country this season for PFF. Was he really? Yes, but you got to give it to Kenneth Walker, in my opinion. Deuce Vaughn making the plays as a receiver. Deuce Vaughn, Kent State back, also friend of the show. Davey O'Brien, you're giving it to Kenny Pickett? Davey O'Brien is the quarterback award, so they have a specific award that isn't Heisman or Maxwell that's supposed to go to quarterbacks. You're giving it to Kenny Pickett over Bryce Young? I'm giving it to Kenny Pickett over Bryce Young. He played quarterback the best of anyone this season. He he didn't have a single passing grade below 70 all season long. Didn't have a dud on his schedule. And that is without the advent of the guy who might be wide receiver one in the 2022 draft class and a guy who would have been a fringe first, probably a second rounder without tearing his ACL on John Mechie. He did it with pit talent. You know, he, he did it with not the guys we've seen play elite quarterback play in recent years, whether it's Joe Burrow, whether it's Mac Jones, whether it's Bryce Young this year. Kenny Pickett was the best quarterback this season, in my opinion. I'm giving it to Bryce Young. I can't give Bryce Young the Heisman and the Maxwell and not give him the Kenny Pickett. I think he's been... Well, I didn't give him the Heisman and the Maxwell, so... That's fair. That's fair. Fair enough. I think Bryce Young will win it, too. I think Bryce Young's going to win Heisman. I think he's going to win Maxwell. He's going to win Davey O'Brien. I could see... I could see this... Him winning the Heisman, though, and then Pickett getting the O'Brien. Like, I could see... Really? ...doing something like that because... Just to show more love to Because it does... Yeah, exactly. I think that's fair. Because when they see it close, it's like, oh, we'll give one guy one, one guy the other. Award. 
This one was tough for me. A lot of me wants to give it to Drake London. Blitnikoff goes the best receiver I in the know. country. That, that's the one where it's like, it was either to me one of two guys. And I still believe Drake London was most deserving. He was the best wide receiver in the country when healthy. But, what, eight games? That's just two-thirds of a season. Hey, you can't, you can't, sorry about you. I'm giving it to Jamison Williams. He was 1,400 yards, 21.4 per, per reception. Insane explosive ability, 15 scores. I, I mean, he was, when he goes out against Auburn, they could, shit couldn't move the ball until the very end of the game. Like they, he is, he fuels that offense. Uh, yeah, give me James Williams. I, I went Jordan Addison. I think Jordan Addison, the receiver for Pitt, needs more love. I mean, he's up there in, in terms of leading. He leads all Power 5 in receiving yards this season, a big reason why that offense has played so well this year. I think no one has turned on the tape with Addison. So much of the focus has been on Pickett. But I was going to go Addison, maybe even Devin Tompkins for this award, the Utah State receiver. Mountain West Championships, by the way, fucking beat down my San Diego State Aztecs. We didn't bring it up they on did. the Monday pod, thankfully. Not him, though. He was doubling him. Yeah, yeah. but I, I, I do think Jordan Addison... I mean, it's tough. Can't give every award to Bama. Can't give Bryce Young, Heisman, Maxwell, all this shit, and then Jameis Williams wins the Blitnikoff, too. I think well, I give, given a, give Addison some love. Give Ad Addison some love. Give Addison Go ahead. the He's got another year to win it, though. He's only a sophomore. I think that's fair. Mackey Award. Is this one even close? I think he had this. The Mackey Award goes to the best tight end in the country. Mm -hmm. Trey McBride, the Colorado State tight end, has such a high percentage of that passing offense, but also like three or 400 more receiving yards than any other tight end in the country. Like he has run yeah. away with this award, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, it's not even close. I mean, Brock Bowers came on late. Has been awesome. Solid dude. He's going to win it at some point because he's a true freshman. Trey McBride, this is his year. 1,125 receiving yards. Crazy thing about that is one touchdown all year long. 91 catches, only one touchdown, but... He literally was the Colorado State passing offense. They threw to him. We talked about the game early on in the season where he had 99% of their receiving yards. He had almost four, um, over 30, over a third of their receiving yards this season. He had to a tight end. That's unheard of target share, market share for a tight end position. Yeah, it's Trey McBride. I mean, they only passed for like 3,000 yards this season, and he yeah. had 11. That's fucking insane. Over 1,100 yards, over 30% of their passing yards went to a, a tight end. That's insane. Trey McBride, Mackey Award winner. Give it to him now. Outland Trophy, which either goes to an interior offensive lineman or an interior defensive lineman, but sometimes can go to an offensive tackle, sometimes an interior offensive lineman. Uh, I, I think I think that's that's tough. I, I why, why I don't they need to figure that out that award out because it went to Alex Leatherwood last year, didn't it? Yes, that was a brutal, brutal scene. But I think going to a tackle and then sometimes going to defensive tackle. Well, it's interior alignment, I think, just means interior line, like old school interior alignment. So not like the guys on the end of the line, but the guys inside the end of the line. So non-eligible receivers on offense and then anyone defensive line. So we're like, but it's like just defensive tackles, guys who play interior. I don't know. It's either of those. But this one is not even close this year. It's Tyler Linderbaum. And he also, I mean, like, they have two awards that are kind of redundant with also the Remington that goes to center, but he's both of those. It's not even close. Yeah, so Linderbaum, Tyler Linderbaum, Iowa center winning both the Outland and Remington. He's going to win the Remington by a mile because yeah. Remington is big with PFF, and they've talked about Linderbaum like every single week with us. I think Linderbaum fucking already has that tattoo on his neck. Yeah, Outland, maybe they try and switch it up, but it should go to Linderbaum for both probably. Yeah, he, he has a 95.2 overall grade. The next closest center 
that 90.0. It's not even close. He's monster. Second straight season, he's going to lead all centers in overall grade. On to Joe Moore Award. Do you actually – so Joe Moore, Joe Moore goes to the offensive line of the year. Mm-hmm. Ohio State was like a linchpin win it, and then they got absolutely Aiden Hutchinson in yeah. the Michigan game there. I don't think they can win it now. I put Baylor here, one of the highest-graded offensive lines in the country this year, top 10 in PFF grades, but also an 88.5 pass blocking grade, which is third in the country, and then a top 10 run blocking grade as well. However, you have Louisiana Lafayette. Yes, sir. They are the highest graded offensive line in the country according to PFF grades. But so much of that being run blocking grade, they've been like absolute road graders all season long. Mm-hmm. I'm going Baylor for the pass protection as well. I think they rank top three in pass blocking grade and top three in pressure rate allowed. I like Baylor. Now, I give me Louisiana Lafayette. We've talked a bunch about Max Mitchell, their tackle, but Osiris Torrance has graded out extremely well too. 87.2 overall grade. Ken Marks, 87.8. AJ Gilly, 87.6. They have dudes. Billy Napier, his development of offensive linemen there has been fantastic. Florida fans should be happy about that hire and what he can do with that offense. I'm stoked for Billy Napier at Florida. I think that's going to bring a different energy to Florida and also like the culture, man. They need Florida needs like a recruiting energy that Billy Napier I think is going to bring as well. Like this energy, like proud to be a Gator type of shit that I think Napier is going to bring to the Florida Gators. Uh, Begneric Award. This guy's our pick is not even a finalist for this award. Did you know? Yes. That? Yeah. Aiden Hutchinson, who we picked for the best defensive player of the year, most outstanding defensive player of the year. And I mean, it's either him or Will Anderson. Yeah, Will Anderson is a finalist. Jordan Davis, laughable, is a finalist. <laughs> Kyle Hamilton. And then Kayvon Thibodeau. I mean, that is insane that Aiden Hutchinson, who's the highest grade player in the country for PFF, highest defensive player at least. Pants on the ground. The fact that he's not yes. a finalist is absolutely absurd, but I think Aiden Hutchinson should win it. Yeah. So who will actually win it then? The fact that they put Kyle Hamilton, who played eight games, or no, seven games, is a joke. The fact they played Jordan Davis, who played like 300 snaps, is a joke. Um so who should uh, Will Anderson should win it then? Uh, since none of since Aiden Hutchinson is not a finalist, it should be Will Anderson. I I think Will Anderson too has like more sacks, right? So I think that's why he's ultimately going to win it. I think the sack numbers are always what drive people. I mean, that's why Aiden Hutchinson maybe wasn't a finalist when he was when this list was first made. He didn't have like the sack numbers that they desire. Sacks being such a big driver, box score statistics in general being such a good driver for all this fucking shit. Buckus, does Devin Lloyd? win it, the Utah linebacker, over Nicobe Dean. Buckus goes to the best linebacker in the country. Do you actually think they give it to Devin Lloyd? <sighs> that one's tough. Uh, I don't. I hope they do. But I, I'm not going to argue too much. Nicobe Dean's been fantastic. But Lloyd has been more integral to the success of his respective defense. Like a lot of guys, like, I'm not going to say Nicobe Dean's job's not that hard, but he gets protected a lot by the fact that those guys up front win a lot of their blocks. He gets very easy reads from that defensive line in front of him in the running game. Gets asked to attack fairly with, without you know, fear of having to recover for someone else because that defense is so good all around. Devin Lloyd has to be the playmaker. I think he has like 20 more stops than Nicobe Dean this year because he has to be the guy making all the plays on that Utah defense. And then, I mean, you saw him against Oregon, the Pac-12 championship, the pick six. He's an all-around playmaker he's been fantastic i mean with how good george's defense been and being in on these conversations for the awards i i feel like 
what matters a lot to these guys is how good is the defense overall. It's like, it's the best defense in the country. We don't have a player on that. We need to find a way. Like Nicobe Dean mm-hmm. or Jordan Davis. Like we got to yeah. get him on there. Like they, they, I think there is a lot of push for top teams in the country or top units in the country to have representation on these awards. So because Utah's defense isn't the juggernaut that Georgia's is or whatever, I think Devin Lloyd wouldn't win it or can't really win it compared to Nicobe Dean. But I like Lloyd, including Lloyd, is awesome. Lastly, but not leastly, Jim Thorpe, best defensive back in the country. This one, in my opinion, shouldn't either shouldn't even be close. It should be a mod Gardner by a mile, even though he's a group of five corner. It should be a mod Gardner. He is not a finalist, though. Get this, he's not a finalist, but Kobe Bryant is a finalist for the Jim Thorpe Award because he's got more PBUs. Yeah, because no one throws at a mod Gardner. The, uh, these awards, I'm upset. Um, <laughs> but a mod Gardner, yeah, it's him. It is him. 117 yards in 13 games. That is. Insanity. I will say Trent McDuffie, 111 yards in 11 games, gets a little bit of a shout-out. Washington cornerback, he's been fantastic. He's play outside corner, though. Does he? Yeah. Oh, he does? does? I will say who I think wins is probably Jalen Petrie from Baylor. Although they might just give it, oh, Kobe Bryant, you know, he plays Cincinnati. Dude, they give it to blah, Kobe blah, blah, Bryant blah. over Mod Gardner, that'd be the dumbest thing in the world. There's <laughs> no way, there's no way they're that But lost. Jalen Petrie has 48 defensive stops for a slot cornerback, as well as six pass breakups and two picks. He has been... The very, very big reason that Baylor won the Big Twelve. A box score stuff. He's also given three times the three, given up three times the yards in coverage as a mod yes. Gardner has. But yeah, those won't be the stats the award winner or the award choosers look at. And it will be all pass breakups, passes defensed, etc. Before we get to watch Wednesdays, bust watch, all that stuff, before we get to all of that, I gotta read off our sponsors, man. We've been humming through this shit. I gotta get on get on some of our sponsor game. Start with X-Share. Working from home is more important now than ever. Optimize your home office with an X-Share and many of our accessories to enhance your focus, productivity, energy, and comfort. Once you feel the customized support of X-Share's patented dynamic variable lumbar, there's no going back. It's all in the LMX massage and temperature regulation. Exclusively designed and made for X-Share with versatile comfort and extraordinary design. X-Share fits any space. High performance, quality engineering, extreme comfort. Those are all the reasons I love my X-Chair. Now I can't wait to get to work. And sometimes even if I'm not working, I sit in my X-Chair just to get into that feeling. Go to xchairtailgate.com now. That is X-Chair, T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E.com or call one 844 xchair for $100 off your first order. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. XShareTailgate.com. If you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below. Also, football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL team to score and win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. Dra- download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Bet $1 on any NFL team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score. Promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Uh, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wage required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll get to Western, Southern, and Manscaped a bit later. Bus watch. Noah Ibnogany, former mm. Auburn cornerback. I think he was a second-round pick for Miami. Nope, he was first-rounder. First-round pick for Miami. Back end of the first-round pick. 
a lot of people liked him coming tough out first round last year yeah a lot of people liked him coming out of auburn as like a project a younger player really fast stuck with some of the alabama receivers coming out but in miami has not developed into that clear-cut number two for them yeah uh he hasn't even what jog this was I saw him shit miss a tackle on special teams against the Giants this past week. And I'm like, oh, no, Igbenaya. I haven't even like thought of him all year long. Was he hurt? No, dude's just been inactive. Dude has not even been in dressed in a jersey on Sundays for most of the Dolphins games this season. Has played in two games only, actually getting snaps at cornerbacks this season at cornerback this season 53.8 coverage grade in those two games it's not been good and that was after a 38.8 coverage grade last season that might be i, I mean giddy's project has looked like a project but the project is not developing is the problem i think it could still give it time i think bus I mean, watch they're, they're is going fair. to give it time they're obviously having i think bus right watch is fair but i remember he was only is, like what 20 years old coming out yeah, i think he's, he's only 22 just turned 22. need some time need some time no agonagony don't 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 let up yet i think he's bust watch but he's not a bust yet i'm not yeah. letting it happen must watch Hall of Fame. It's time. This is fucking absurd. It's time to discuss. No, it is not. Him in the anals. The what? Anals. Anals. Anals? No. Of NFL history. Who? Micah Parsons. You're not, we're not putting Micah Parsons in the bust Hall of Fame bus watch. I'm just saying the watch has begun because his pat he has the highest pass rushing grade of any rookie edge defender we've ever seen right now. And it's not really particularly close. Previous record was Von Miller back in uh, 2011. Uh, at Let me see real quick. So Mike Parsons is at 92.7. Von Miller was at 87.8. He is in his own stratosphere right now in terms of what Mike Parsons is doing, rushing the passer. And now some of that's obviously pumped up by him as a blitzer and getting into you know maybe favorable situations. They really only, they'll put him over the less athletic tackle in that defense knowing that hey that's a problem but even still it's like this is him doing it this young rookie year for not having played last year leading the nfl with a 92.7 pass rush grade 50 pressures already with like little to speak of in the way of actual pass rushing moves like he will develop pass rushing moves he will we talk about you know adafi owe uh quitty pay these guys being raw parsons is just as raw with like his hand usage and that sort of things but is getting after quarterbacks at a rate we've really never seen from a rookie. So I think it's not saying that he's whatever, a Hall of Famer right now. I'm just saying like what he is doing is better than the Hall of Famers we've seen come through their rookie seasons. This is a special, special start. To I think I think I think that's how I'd be willing to couch the start. Yeah. It is a special, special start. I think when you get into the Hall of Fame bus watch, I just need to see a little bit longer. And like, do you expect Dallas to continue to play him at this rate? Like, do you do you, even because a lot of the reason he would move down to pass rushers because Demarcus Lawrence injury? Do you think he's going to continue to be utilized the same like? effect right or do you think he's going to eventually move to more of like a off-ball linebacker exclusive role and blitzing lounge and all that kind of well stuff? yeah so when gregory and lawrence are healthy they're still going to keep them off ball and use them third down to rush pass or whatever but i do think you'll see them i mean soft season randy gregory they'll probably let him walk and say mike parsons you're our guy i mean obviously you would like i think they're at their most dangerous when it's those two and micah parsons obviously mm -hmm. when you have all three of those but I do think you're going to see them either come up with the role or get him rushing the passer as much as possible because he is just that damn good at it. 
So you look at when these injuries like really plagued them. Week two and week three, he played over 30 snaps along the defensive line. And then week 11 and week 12, he played over 50 snaps along the defensive line. And every other game since, he's not played more than 20. And even in this past week, just 12 snaps around the, along the defensive line, the rest in the box. Yeah. I think that will ultimately be his role where 10 to 20 snaps per game, you're getting him along the defensive line, but a bulk majority of his snaps, probably 30, 40 plus, will be at box linebacker. I think that, do you think that is his best role though? Or should they move him more exclusively to defensive line? Uh I, I mean, I, I want this guy rushing the passers as much as possible. I'll just I agree. That. In the four games, he was primarily a defensive line, 29 pressures in those four games total. That's absurd, right? I don't think it should be, I don't even think it should be like early downs, he's off ball, late down, you know, money downs, third and fourth down, he's rushing the passer. I think it should be obvious rundowns, he's off ball. But pretty much any situation where you feel like the you know passing more often than running, I think you put him along the edge. Yeah. And like you, you put him like... He plays probably closer to like a 50-50 split with as much as people are throwing the football now. I think that would be probably the most positive outlook for him. I like that you include him on Hall of Fame bus watch. It made me a little upset, but I think it was a good opportunity to talk about Micah Parsons as one of the fucking freakier rookies we've ever seen. People are talking about Defensive Player of the Year. Plus 2,000. No, rookie, no rookies ever win that award. But are you even entertaining that conversation? I think you are with this fucking Hall of Fame bus watch stuff. I would think about it. Now, Miles My, Garrett to me has been far more impactful on down and down. My, Max Crosby, I mean, like those guys have lived in it, started, they're getting accounted for. And now, actually, Michael Parsons has started getting accounted for in recent weeks when they know it's a third down. I, he, I've seen him get chipped a number of times. But those guys have, you know, from early on this season, teams have been doing that and they're still grading out like that. So we will say TBD. He's, he's plus 2,000 feels about right. He's on the outside, very much on the outside looking in still. I think Aaron Donald should be more in the conversation. We mentioned that Monday. Uh, breakout watch. This is, this, is, this is another absurd candidacy. Tony Pollard has already broken out. Tony Pollard has already broken out. He is as efficient as they come. We've talked about him as you know, one of the better running backs enforcing his tackles, yards after contact. The only thing that has kept Tony Pollard from having like legitimate box score impressiveness is Ezekiel Elliott gets a start. Like, I think Tony Pollard's already a breakout candidate. I mean, he has 170 more yards than he had in any other year in his career, though. Yeah, but from an efficiency standpoint, I mean, we, we knew. I mean, like, I'm not going to say we didn't know, but we we knew he was a very good back. Probably I've been saying that he, of him, between him and Zeke Elliott, he's probably the better of the two. But you can say that on a limited workload, but I think this year it's become very apparent that he is the far more explosive one, obviously, this past weekend with 58-yarder. And that he's the one who's far better at breaking tackles. Like he should be getting the bulk majority. And oh yeah, he was a goddamn receiver at Memphis. Like he was, he has receiving ability too. This guy really can do it all. I, I will be curious to see. Kind of obviously, this is year three, year four, year and a half from now, if he's still the backup, still getting you know whatever uh, menial touches, but still healthy. What kind of contract he gets on the open market if he gets a Jarek McKinnon? type of deal if he gets a Aaron Jones type of deal. I was thinking Aaron Jones. Around. I think he could yeah. enter that Aaron Jones tier. He has one more year left on his rookie contract. He'll be 25 years old in 2022. I think if Dallas doesn't make, and I think he, Tony Pollard would be against a re-signing unless it was in that tier of money. I think he knows his value. I think he knows other teams would sign him as a starter in that like RB fringe one type of tier, not McCaffrey money, not Kamara yeah. money, but somewhere in that second tier. 
I think he could be looking for that sooner rather than later, right? Because they're just going to chew him up and spit him out. They don't. Like next year, he could be in that same role and kick returning and all that stuff and then hits the open market, potentially could suffer an injury, all that stuff. I think he needs to go chase that money sooner rather than later, maybe even like seek out a trade depending on how they want to um, you know, leverage Ezekiel Elliott over the last few years of his contract. Well, because they can't cut Zeke until 2023, basically. Yeah. That's the problem here that they're running into, unfortunately. With watch. Hunter Renfro. I was big on Hunter Renfro. You guys should have listened to me. Yes, Hunter had Renfro way too fucking low. The reason I was high on Hunter Renfro coming out okay. of Clemson was not because he was this like slot gadget type. But when you looked at his contested catch numbers in his hands, like that was yeah. he was so good in contested catch situations at Clemson, never dropped anything, and still went out and ran a fast 40. I think it was like a four five, which no one expected from him. Four five nine. Four five nine, which no one expected from him, and then carved it up in the three cone too. Like Hunter Renfro did have a should have never been cone. a whiff. Should have never been a whiff in my opinion. Did have a six eight three cone, so he comes off the board. Hundred forty ninth was hundred eighty sixth on the PFF draft board. Sadly, the dude was five ten one eighty coming out. Though. Yeah, it's like ah, he just thought he was going to be. I just thought he was going to be limited, and now he still is. He slot, is limited, but like even more limited than that. But like he really can kind of has that Devontae Smith to him or like when the guys are skinny where it's like they avoid contact. It doesn't matter that they are small when they're not getting touched. When you can avoid contact the way those guys do, I will not worry as much in the future about size. I think I think knowing that you can be ultra productive in that limited role, especially with the more, more people are leveraging slot receivers and stuff like that, I think is important. I will say though, we did pretty much hit... <laughs> A lot of guys in that 2019 wide receiver class when we had Metcalf, A.J. Brown, 1-2. We had Mecole at 168. We had Nikhil Harry outside the top 50. Like we, we Paris Campbell in like the hundreds. We were a lot of those guys we called right. Not J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, not uh, Andy Isabella, but those are about the only oh, those are those class. are Yeah. What about McLaurin? Where was McLaurin in that one? McLaurin was, uh, I believe, one. We had one slot ahead of where he actually went in that okay. draft. So, before we get to first round lock, which we'll close out with first round lock, Manscaped just launched. Or no, am I on? Oh, well, not, not a Manscaped yet. Whether it's football success or financial savvy, the right questions help set the stage for winning strategies. Western Southern is teaming up with PFF's very own Chris Collinsworth to share insights that can help put you ahead on both your fantasy and financial scoreboards. Want to hear about Chris's old playing days or behind the scenes with Al on Sunday Night Football? How about I need to know for your financial future? Now you can ask about either or both and every football or financial question you ask or do a chance to win a catered party for February's big game. Check out the Chris Collins with podcast and Western Southern's Instagram for answers to the best questions each week. Submit your questions at westernsouthern.com slash askchris. One more time, that is westernsouthern.com slash askchris. If you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below. Remember, with Western Southern, you can rest assured on game day. Also, Manscaped just launched their new products, including their all-new ultra-premium body wash and a two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. It gives you... It gives yourself and someone who needs it the gift of beautiful skin, hair, and balls this holiday season. Go to manscaped.com and use code PFF for 20% off plus free shipping. Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the Signature Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology to reduce cuts on your nuts. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. Tis the season to load up on Manscaped products, so go get yourself, your dad, your brother, and friends the best gift of all, the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PFF. Clean up your nuts and make Santa proud this year. 
That is the best end line, end line to any fucking ad I've ever read. Making Santa proud, one manscaped read at a time. First round lock. Update the group on where you're at and who you're now throwing in. Ooh, okay. Where we're at last week, we put in our first quarterback. Kenny Pick. And Kenny Pickett. Before that, we had Jordan Davis, Jamison Williams, Charles Cross, Nicobe Dean, George Karloftis, Ikki Aquanu, Garrett Wilson, Tyler Linderbaum, DeMarvin Leal, Kyle Hamilton, Aiden Hutchinson, way back a long time ago, Evan Neal, Derek Stingley Jr., and Kayvon Thibodeau. Honestly, I feel good about it. All those 16, all 15 of those. And I feel good about our 16th. I thought I thought we would get to a point where I was maybe like stressing. I'm, I'm trying to think of who I'd even stress the most on here of this list. Who do you think of those guys? We're stressing the most on? That I would like, that could reasonably fall out of the first round right now. Like DeMarvin mm. Leal just declared. So he had to be obviously getting some good feedback from the NFL. To yeah, DeMarvin Leal, I think is 25th on your board. Yeah. I still think he goes I think the he's round. the lowest of these guys on the board um, right now that I said is going to go in the first round. Mm. Like Jordan Davis, maybe I locked it in a little too early, but someone always does in the NFL. There's no other good DTs in this class that yeah. would you know, jump him. I could see him going in the 20s. Devontae Wyatt's the only one I could think of that might jump him because of how athletic he is, but... As the NFL still loves run defenders. If Matt Rule's still a coach, you might draft I mean, him. The tackles you've chose already, Neil, Cross, those yeah. guys are going in. Aiden Hutchinson might be the number one overall pick. Kayvon Thibodeau will be top five. I, I, I'm not super worried right now. All right. You haven't locked in a receiver, have you? Yeah, uh, two of them, Garrett Wilson and J J Jameson Williams. Okay. Garrett, you know, I think the receiving class, I think a lot's going to shake out there. I, I like the I like where you currently have those guys evaluated. I think Jameson Williams could ultimately be the first guy off the board because of speed. Yeah. But I think how the NFL and how the others, other mm -hmm. people will be reviewing this class. You could see Drake London over Wilson by some, and maybe he drops to the second round. Yeah. I think that maybe would be the worst. I do think, like I said, I've said this before, like it's because it's not that elite of a class. Like there's not too many blue chip type of dudes in this class. I think that'll lead more teams to be drafting wide receivers. In the first? Yeah. Wow. Because I think, I, I don't think it'll be like the trend of that we saw. Like it, the class reminds me a lot of 2019, just in terms of like talent wise. 2019, we only saw two, and that was at the very back. I think we see somewhere in the neighborhood of six go in the first round. I think it's oh wow in this first round. I so I, I, there's a lot of receivers that I would not, I, I would not feel comfortable taking the first round or some of these linemen. I think there's a lot of yeah. linemen, a lot of trench level players that I'd rather take. But either way, all right. Now number 16, we're gonna go linebacker Devin Lloyd from Utah. Wow, first round over to Kobe. Nicobe Dean's, oh, Dean's on there. Okay. He's already on. Uh, yeah. So two linebackers, Ray locked in, which is a little bit, eh, what, are you, what am I doing? But I, I do think Devin Lloyd makes it. I think he's someone who was it? Ben Fennel gave him the Fred Warner comp. And that's a very similar player in my eyes. Like both I, went to Utah schools too. Yes. Both, both, uh, yeah, that's very good. I didn't even like make that comp. BYU. But BYU for Warner. Lloyd. Obviously They're also Utah. very similar size comps. But size. Good athletes, but not like spectacular. Not like Jamin Davis. They're not that kind of athlete, but they are smooth athletes where it's like good athlete, like Levante David's good athlete, where Levante David's never going to wow you. Like him next to Devin White, Devin White moves faster. Levante David plays football better. That's how I see Devin Lloyd play the game of football. There you go. Devin Lloyd, I want more because some people are putting him as linebacker one over Nicobe Dean. I have, I have honestly no issue with that. Really? They're both that good. Yeah. I think they're both, they're, they're, you're splitting hairs. It's what do you want to do with them? I, I think Nicobe Dean, if you want, if you're going to maybe blitz a little bit more, is a true coverage player, though, probably Devin Lloyd's better. I'm not trying to play revisionist history here. When is the last first round linebacker to really show up? Really like live Parsons. 
Michael Parsons? Yeah, okay. But he does, he's not even playing linebacker as much as he is. Michael Parsons is a great one, though. I'm um, trying to think. Maybe came like in Keekly? Devin White hasn't been awful. I yeah. mean, Keekly came in, showed up. Yeah, for sure. That was a Keekly came in and was like, holy shit, this guy was worth the top five pick. Yeah. Uh-oh. Devin White has been like really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, would you but, take Devin White again in the first round? I don't know. Number five. I mean, Isaiah Simmons has come in this year. I, I think the learning curve of linebacker is pretty tough. There hasn't been a lot of guys going back here. Uh, I I I, I am Roquan. I am, Roquan, I think, has lived up to the hype at number eight overall. Not had the impact that you fucking would want, in my opinion, if or a first round pick. I I, I always come back to positional value. Ruben like, Foster came in was sick. Ruben Foster came in was sick. I think Ruben Foster, if he did not have the off field stuff, yeah. would probably be like in that Bobby Wagner, Keekly territory. Where everyone's talking about his top linebacker, Fred Warner stuff and yeah. all that shit. Yeah, Fred I mean, Warner was a third round pick though, yeah. and has lived well above. That expectation and stuff, and maybe if you but, are getting a Fred Warner, that is what I'm getting. I mean, there I, there is it, the reason why you know a lot of teams will just say we're not drafting linebackers that yeah. high because it's not. I mean, I hold it similar to safety, tight end. I mean, safety, tight end, linebacker, running back. It's like all those, all those positions. I am nervous to invest first round capital when I would be better off oftentimes taking tackle, edge, corner, QB, etc. Especially line, with how good this class is. There's there's so many good corners in this class, so many good tackles in this class. Taking Devin Lloyd over yeah. even like tackle three, tackle four, tackle five in this class doesn't make sense. Linebacker and safety is just so dependent on what you're asking them to do. 100%. so big, such a big part of the evaluation. Plus to play in front of them, I mean, it's, it's very it's similar to running back in some ways. But that's going to do it for this episode of Tailgate. Until next time, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Austin Gale, Mike Renner, Tailgate.